Hello, thinkers, readers, and tea drinkers, and welcome to Speaking with Joy. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Clarkson, and this is a podcast dedicated to art, literature, theology, and good conversations. It is my hope to create an hour of sanity, fascination, and beauty in our hectic and cynical world. So make yourself a cup of tea, and let's dive in. and welcome to Speaking with Joy. Today I have the great fun of welcoming on my older brother, Nathan Clarkson. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Well, thank you for having me, younger sister. <laughs> um, but we are both the youngest siblings, um, which I think gives us a, I don't know, an, an edge. edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are we're the youngest siblings of the Clarkson clan um, and objectively the most fun, right? Oh yeah. The handsomest, the most fun, the, the funniest, smartest. the charming. Yeah, yeah the most yeah, charming. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we're all, we're teasing. Or are we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> you can be. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm very excited to have Nathan on the show today, and we're going to chat with you all about our new book, The Clubhouse, mm-hmm. and about the importance of imagination and imaginative play and why we wrote this book. Yeah. But first, Nathan, why don't you give a bit of an introduction to your excellent self, what you do, where you live, and all that? Well, I live in um, New York City, the greatest city on earth. Uh, objectively. I was, I was going to say in your opinion, but no, it really is the greatest city. I absolutely love it there. And it is in New York City that I do a few things. I write books. Um, I put out a book called Good Man and Different. Uh, I love stories. I love writing. I love words. So that's one thing that I do. Um, obviously, I write books because we're putting out a book together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also uh, am a filmmaker. I make indie films. And um, then I and I give them to places like Netflix and Amazon Prime, and they play my indie films, and I'm very lucky, and, and, and just, as you can tell, I love being a part of stories, and I love creating stories, and I just actually finished. It was done, it was shot, it was written during the pandemic, and, and shot right at the very tail end, but a new film that I'm really excited about called Don't Know Jack, so that was really fun, and I get to use New York as a character, and then, uh, finally, I'm an actor, and... I get to be in TV shows and, and things every now and again, which is just so much fun. So all I'd say, I love words and stories and imagination. So this book is definitely something right up my alley. And as I'm sure your listeners know, know yours. So I love actually hearing you say that out loud, saying what you do out loud, because obviously when you when someone's a sibling or a family member, you know what they do, but mm-hmm. hearing them narrate it makes you realize something. And I realized that though there's many different facets of you, they all kind of are around um, the pulsating drive to tell stories. Yes. And for me, like I thought, I think mine is all kind of around um, a desire to teach and communicate. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we, we both do many different things. I podcast, I do academics, I teach. But it's all kind of for me out of this pulsating desire to like understand the world and help other people understand it and learn things. And yours, I think, is out of this desire to tell stories to also get to the heart of what reality is, which I think is, is hidden inside of stories. And so it was really fun to do this project together, which is in some ways kind of a, um, a combination of both of our, uh, our pulsating drives in life. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually think they overlap because yeah. I was reading through the New Testament recently. And what keeps on striking me, this has struck me for decades and it continues to, 
is how Jesus thought, um, God thought that that stories are the most powerful way to share truth yeah. and get to the heart of um, who we are and what truth and reality is. So um, I think, uh, and as you know, that stories and yeah. your PhD and everything you're doing, that stories can actually be, I was going to say, one of or the most effective ways to share the yeah. truth and to teach the truth. So Exactly. And I think that connects to the fact. So I've thought a lot about why did Jesus use stories? Why do we why do we need art to understand and orient ourselves in the world? And I've realized through my own research that a lot of times when people try to answer that question, they're like, "Oh, it's because, you know, stories illustrate these abstract principles or whatever mm. more perfectly." But it's like, "Well, if it's just that we're trying to illustrate ideas, then isn't telling a story a more complicated way of doing that. But I think that that's not, that's not the case. The reason is that there's something in reality, in truth, that's more like a story than just abstract ideas that we can say, and if this, then that. And so to be people who are deeply in touch with truth and who can address the, the problems and the depths of reality well, we have to be people who are immersed in stories. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just like a more elaborate way of, of saying an idea. It's it's the way uh, that you actually... Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think people think of story as this entirely story imagination um, narrative arc as this kind of other thing. That's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a thing we made up and we enjoy. Where I think, um, you know, part of being created in the image of God is that we are... That God is intrinsically a story-oriented God. Yeah. If you look at scripture, scripture is a story. If you look at history... History is a story. Even creation, you look yeah. at the science and the, the biology of things, you see the story. You see something go from very small to very mm-hmm. to very uh, complete and large. And you see this. there's an arc in all of creation. So I think that God is intrinsically a story-oriented God. And us being created in God's image, we are story-oriented creatures. So I think when we respond and connect to stories, um, it is something that's it's not just an opinion we have or yeah. something that we like. It's I think every human it's fundamental to our humanity is yeah. to respond. I mean, there's a reason that books, movies, um, and video games are the, I mean, one of the biggest interest in, industries, industries in the world. I mean, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it's just something yeah. that connects with every single one of us. I Something I thought about is that we consume or engage with stories, at least I do, as regularly as I eat. So I know wow. that, might, that may sound extreme, but think about it. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm probably not a, a normal example, but like I have a novel by my bed. We mm. wake up in the morning and we scroll through news stories, right? It's, oh, interesting. It's not yeah. just facts. It's what's happening in the world. We watch TV series. Like I probably engage with at least three fictional stories a day, if you think about it. Oh, and at I least. eat three yeah. three meals a day. So it's like this appetite we have for stories that is as consistent, I think, as as our desire to eat. And I think a lot of the existentialism people face is as a result of realizing their stories and be, being disappointed in the stories their yeah. lives are telling. Or not being able to figure out how to tell their own stories. Yeah, or what their story means. But I think ultimately, also say that we are story-oriented people, and I think imagination is a conduit to helping us understand what our stories can be and who we can be within the narrative that we are given. Absolutely. Wow, we got straight into the heady <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but um, so all this to say, uh, we've written a book about imagination and story for kids. So all of this can sound very like heady and intellectual, but if it's that fundamental capacity of human beings, if it's important for mm. knowing who we are and knowing who God is and knowing how to do what's right and wrong, then then that means that we need to be able to be inculcating that from the time yes. we're very young. So we wrote this book 
I should say it's really, its origin story begins with you. So it's a, um, how, let's describe it. So it's a book where the, the idea is that there's two kids mm-hmm. and a clubhouse. Yes. And the story, it's, it's less of a story and more of a, how are, what are the many different things this clubhouse could become through yeah. imagination? Well, we grew up, uh, we were lucky to grow up in a family that encouraged imagination, encouraged pretend, encouraged acting. It's funny, I think about playing pretend as kids, yeah. and I just didn't want to stop, which is why now I'm an actor. Um, and <laughs> it's like that explain your job badly. Yeah, yeah, I just I just didn't want to stop playing pretend, so I had to find a way to get paid for it, and that's why I'm now an actor. And believe it's really funny, every time I try on a new costume um, on set, every time I get to play a different character, be it a good guy, a bad guy, a doctor, a scientist, a, a crazy man, whatever it might be, I just get that same childlike joy out of mm-hmm. putting on this costume and becoming, I mean, I get to dress up as cowboys and uh, astro- I, everything under the sun I've dressed up as and I still have that childlike joy yeah. as an adult of putting this on. But I think that says something. So ultimately, yes, about our book is essentially that. It's about two kids who, um, through their imagination in this small clubhouse, go on wild adventures uh, around the universe, world, history, yeah, um, and oh my goodness, the the our artist just captured this so beautifully. I could not be more proud and happy. Uh, it was amazing. So we didn't really have a uh, this saying we didn't have a say makes it sound like you know we were oppressed, yeah. but we didn't really know. Uh, we had this poem. Nathan had started it. We wrote, then we finished it together, and we didn't know who would end up illustrating it. But the illustrator, Joshua Taylor, just did a better job than I could have even imagined. I don't think I could have even told him to do it the way he did it, but no. it's so fun. It's like a whimsical Where's Waldo. Yeah. So in every so in each, you know, scene, it's, you know, one scene, it's them in a submarine, and that's what they're imagining it to be. Or a castle. Or, or a, a castle. playhouse. Or or the, the Wild, Wild West. West. Or, oh wow. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Younger sibling energy. Yeah. Um and, but he, he, so it has that, but then it's this immensely detailed, where's Waldo, like in the, in the, the page with the, with the knights on it. If you look in one corner, there's a knight in shining armor watering a thing of flowers. There's one lost in the castle. There's like a dog chasing one. There's like, but there's like probably 30 or 40 different characters and teeny little scenes in every Which picture. I would have loved as a kid. Oh my goodness. And by the way, this is kind of fun. I don't know if you've ever introduced Darcy on your podcast. I haven't. But Darcy is our beloved golden retriever we have grown up with. Um, and we we had the honor of they our publisher allowed Darcy to be written into the book, drawn into the book, rather, uh-huh. with us. Um, but that's really fun. So you can find... Darcy. Dar- we're thinking about doing a contest about if you can find Darcy, Darcy in every single... There's one page I still haven't found her in. But I, I'm pretty sure she's there because we said, you know, hide her in every yeah. page. So I haven't even won the contest yet. Wow. Well, but, maybe someone will beat us to it. Yeah. But it's so fun. It's so delightful. And we even like sent, she really does look like Darcy. We sent pictures to the yeah. uh, artist and he's an incredible job. Um, but Nathan, tell, okay, tell me a little more about the origins of this yes. poem because that's really fun too. Well, I got started and then I veered off like Clarkson's do. Um, we, like I was saying, grew up in a home an environment that encouraged imagination, play, pretend, because uh, our parents saw these as valuable things. Mm-hmm. And so you and I and our other brother and sister uh, grew up playing pretend mm-hmm. together. We would build forts. We grew up all over the place. It was Texas and Nashville and Colorado. Um, but in every one of these places, the backyard was where many, dare I say, most of our adventures happened. Yes. And we had boxes and boxes of costumes. Yeah, my mom made it a point. There's actually still in my closet in Colorado this big chest of drawers uh, where she just, she would collect costumes. So we'd go to Goodwill. We have 
some elaborate capes. There were there were some. We used um, my grandmother's old clothes. Yes. We had bonnets. We had cowboy hats. We even we had, had s- oh, plastic swords. Some metal ones. Um, uh, we we gosh we I'm surprised we never injured each other. We made swords. Do you remember this? Oh Other yeah. PVC pipes and um, like in cover foam, and, and then. Just- Beat, beat the each heck other. out of each yeah. other. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was good. Channeled some kind of aggressive energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did a lot of playing. Is the moral of the story? Yes, and it was very often in a backyard around something that resembled a clubhouse. Yeah, and it's amazing. Think back to when you're a kid. How you can this clubhouse can change entirely. It can become a castle. It can become a dragon. Become all these different things. And I remember as a kid, I think I was probably about nine or ten. I wanted to write a poem about all of our adventures of us in the backyard of us in every single clubhouse that we had that we had turned into these magical places ships and spaceships and everything in between and so i wrote this little poem as a kid called through wooden nails uh and you know the two kids play wait how old were you when you wrote this i think i was about i don't know around 10 okay so i i we had had years of experiencing this but i was still in the midst of loving the pretend the imagination parts and so um i wrote this poem and, you know, it disappears, uh, you know, in time as I grow up. And um, our parents were home and they found this poem. And I was like, this needs to be turned into a children's book. <laughs> and so uh, you and I together and we started finishing, completing, editing and writing this poem to kind of reminisce and remind ourselves about how beautiful a childhood of imagination was and all the things we did, all the places we went and all the worlds we visited. And so through this poem getting dug up from our child, our childhood, you and I had so much fun in, in saying, this needs to be a children's book and we needed to bring this to life to encourage and remind people how important imagination is. Absolutely. And I think that for me it took on a new significance too as we were working on it together um, because we are now, you know, we didn't grow up, we grew up on the cusp of technology. So we had yeah. we had one family computer. I remember getting it when I was probably like six. Dial up. Dial up, yeah. We had Reader Rabbit, mm-hmm. but it was something everybody did. You, you weren't going to get on, there was no kind of internet. Um, we didn't have TV growing up most of our... I remember family before cell phone. I know. I'm we really did. dating myself. Yeah, pre-cell phone. Yeah, and and that's such an utterly different world that we live in yeah. now. I remember. So I did, I did um, social media marketing um, in college, and I remember getting together with a. We had to do this project where we met with somebody, and um, helped them with their social media. And I remember getting together, and they had their kids with them, and the whole time the kids were with us, they were um, they were on an iPad. And this was like mm. in 2012, and I that was really new at that point. And I was just like, this is so strange. This wasn't yeah. how my experience of childhood was. And mm. and so I think that, and there's such a richness in that dirt under your fingernails, um, being outside, kind of the, the goodness of boredom, yeah. the, um, the delight in pretending. And when you have the whole world of kind of overstimulation, sometimes you can forget, like on technology, you can forget the joy and the importance of that coming up with the whole world just from your own brain and yeah. the wooden nails. And so I think that that was something that excited me was I thought, I want kids and parents to read this and then want to go outside, make a dress-up box, play pretend, um, and become things they couldn't even have imagined. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I'm writing um, a book right now about, about video games and theology mm. and God. And one of the things I've been exploring lately is, you know, I talked earlier about um, us being 
created in the image of God. And one of the things that God is, is he's a world builder. Mm. You know, uh, he creates things out of nothing and he builds beautiful worlds to inhabit. And it's amazing that kids uh, take hold and, and latch onto this aspect of God so much better than adults do. Yeah. That kids are world builders. Every time, you know, we were just, I was just hanging out, Joy and I, with our um, niece and nephew. <laughs> And in the course of about 30 minutes, she was everything from a dog to a princess. And, um, and, he was, and he was trying on hats to be a cowboy and a this, and he put on his little shoes. And so it's amazing how kids can grasp onto this aspect of God that adults have such hard, a hard time doing, yeah. which is uh, creating a world out of nothing, out of your imagination and yeah. living in that world. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And I think that's uh, one of the beautiful things that you see in children and that we explore in this book about imagination is it's not just a fun thing to do. Yeah. Imagination and, and creating worlds in your mind and characters and living in those worlds, it's actually you're acting in the image of God when yeah. you do this. I love, uh, Tolkien calls it being sub-creators. Yes. In his, in his little um, essay on fairy stories, he talks about the, kind of the spiritual significance of why we love imagination and pretend mm. and fantasy. Fun fact, he delivered that in St. Andrews. Where did I'm he doing, really? He did, where I'm doing a PhD. I think you mean Hogwarts. Yeah, in Hogwarts. Um, but yeah, he talks about how God is a creator. You know, one of the most important things that mm. we say about God is he creates out of nothing. You know, that he is this... Ex nihilo. The, yes, ex nihilo. I never know how to say that. <laughs> I'm always scared to say it because I'm going to sound dumb. Ex nihilo. <laughs> nihilo. Um, I got some really interesting um, versions of that spelling. Somebody... I can't remember what they did in a paper, but it was like ex nihili lilio. Um, <laughs> like one that. of my favorites, and I was like, that feels more like ex nihilo. It feels too fast. Um, anyway, but he talks about, you know, that this is a fundamental thing about God. We're in God's image. And so this impulse to create and have other worlds is natural and glorifies God. Uh, also, it makes me laugh with Lillian because it's, you really, it is a world of her making because sometimes, mm. like, she'll make me tea from her little kitchen. And then she'll bring me something like, oh, thank you for this cookie. And she'll go, it's not a cookie. It's bread. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's this. It's a this, magic flower. Yeah, <laughs> like, how could you, what's wrong with you? Why yeah, would you not bee. understand yeah. this? Um, and I just love seeing that. It's also, it's like a confidence building thing. That she yeah. she knows this world, she's built it, and it's entirely her own. But she also doesn't question it. This yeah. is this is real to her. Yeah. I mean, and, and you, as a kid, you're learning reality. And she is playing with reality. I'm not talking about subjective truth, but no. I'm talking about she's acting the image of her creator in creating worlds. Also, there's another part of it, which is that whenever you pretend, you're also, you don't just change the world around you, you change who you are mm, in the world. Yes. So it's different ways to try on, who am I like? What is it like to be me? You yes. know? So when I was a little girl, um, I, I used to love choosing names for myself. Did you change your name with whatever oh, you pretended? Oh, yeah. I was Jack for many years. I was Charlotte. I don't nice. know why. Nice. I yeah. don't remember this. Yeah, I was Charlotte or Scarlet. Um, I, I thought those were just like really, really cool names. Those are cool names. Um, yeah, but there's, there, I think there's a part of it too that's identity building and it's, mm. it's imagining who you could be. You know, that's so yeah. important that our, our maturity comes from who I can be um, in the future and in, in a different self. And it's, it's just so, such an important part, I think, of becoming who you can be. Um, okay, so those are kind of the impulses behind the book. Um, it's a part of our childhood um, we think it's fundamental to what it is to be a human. Um, and then I think we should talk about two things. One is, we've already kind of done this, but like, why do you think imaginate, why do you think it's important to pass on imaginative play to kids? Mm -hmm. And then what are a few practical ideas for parents to help encourage that? Oh, that's great. Um, well, you know, it's interesting to me 
to see how people view things like imagination. Mm. And we live in a world that makes sense, where you do things and there's order, and these things are good, and these things are important, but it's amazing to me how often people see imagination as something that's strictly for children, Mm -hmm. and that it's not ultimately useful. Mm -hmm. It's something that's fun, but it's like a game. You Mm -hmm. you do it, and then you grow out of it. Um, And so I've been thinking as we've written this book, and, and just over the course of my entire life and career, how vital imagination is to all of us. You know, mm. as we got our first copies of the book, um, I wasn't going through it, oh, I wonder if kids will like this. I was going through this myself mm. liking this. I was getting lost in the pictures, getting lost mm-hmm. in the um, uh, the characters and the, and the places and the, and the imagination of it. And I think that we live in a world that discourages imagination because imagination doesn't fit in the box, doesn't fit in the bounds. And I understand that we have to have an ordered, ordered place. Yeah. But I think that for all of us, both your kids and yourself, imagination is so vital um, to us because I think ultimately, I hope this answers your question in a very yes. roundabout way, mm-hmm. that ultimately what imagination does for us, and you, you touched on it just a second ago, is it helps us envision the world as it mm-hmm. could be and it helps us envision us as mm-hmm. we could be. And um, that was something as a kid that was so important to me is yeah, as a kid who grew up with learning disabilities mm-hmm. and mental illness and just the struggles of being a kid that I think everyone faces. No one gets away from the painful touch of life. Mm. And so I think imagination can give you hope for your struggles, your story, your experience um, meaning something. Even now, I love going and watching superhero films. Yeah. I, I really do and have zero shame because it reminds me I don't think I'm going to fly. I don't think I'm going to be a superhero, but it, it does remind, and I have that little boy thing that comes to my head. You need to be a hero. You can be a hero. You can use your, your experience, your, your gifting, whatever it might be, no matter how unique it is, um, even your, your hardships for a story. So I think yeah. imagination both tells us how the world can be and how we, who we can be inside of it. And I think that's so important, not just for kids, but, but for, for all adults, of us. Yeah. But it has to start early. You have to start saying, who mm. can you be? What world can you live in? Because that brings hope. That gets you yeah. out of bed in the morning. It does, yeah. It reminds me, mom is always saying to me, you can only become what you can imagine. Mm. You know, And I think about that with one of my dear friends was telling me about why he loved Harry Potter. And he said for him, it was because he came from a lonely home. He came from a home where he was mm. kind of neglected and abandoned. And when he read Harry Potter, he had this image of lonely people can find love, can be embedded in community, can become somebody who gives up their life for their friends because they know how to love. Interesting. And and to think that his experience, he didn't have that. But then through imagination and through a book showing him how to imagine that, it became possible in his mind and it made him want to pursue being a loving person, pursue being in community. And I think about that even just in our world, um, which has so many seemingly insurmountable um, obstacles that feel pressing and terrible generally. But then also in our own lives, there can be so many things that we feel like, I just can't get over this. I can't master this. Um, But that imagination helps us have a way forward because it, 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 like you said, it gives us hope. It's the Wendell Berry says, you know, if we think that life is something that we can calculate and control, we increase our proximity to despair. Because mm. if everything is something we can control and it's, you know, within the like the, then that means that there's kind of hopeless. So imagination breaks that open and says, 
what are other possibilities? Who can I become? What could change, you know? Well, I think a lot of people live with a sentence of who they are. You are this and you'll never be anything else. And I think of the, you know, in The Last Battle by C.S. Lewis, a further up and farther in, what imagination does mm. is it allows us to envision who we can and will become. Yeah. If we, and that gives us hope to continue walking towards this vision. And so I think it's so important that we give our kids, um, and it was in my life, give our kids imagination that gives them a vision of who they can uh, move towards every day regardless of what they're going through. And as far as the practical bit that you're saying yeah. how parents can do this is don't denigrate your children's natural inclination towards imagination, yeah. towards, um, uh, like we were talking about earlier, Lillian and Samuel imagining themselves in the world. This Don't denigrate that. Don't yeah. uh, tie them to a reality that forces them to stay where they are. Let them envision themselves. Let them envision the world as a more beautiful place so they can move towards that their entire lives. Yeah, I think also, like, imagination is a sign that children are, like, developing Yes. In a good way. That's like a good intellectual, it's like a sign that things are going well. And sometimes I'll hear parents go, but do I need my child to know that they're not a dog? And I'm like, <laughs> the fact that they're pretending to be a dog means that they know they're not a dog, but they're using their imagination. We play to animals all the time, and, yeah. and somehow we figured it out, so I yeah. wouldn't worry too much. <laughs> I'm not a dog? Yeah. Hold oh, on my a gosh. Second. Yeah. Um, I would also say we were also very lucky surround your kids with yes. beautiful, um, you know, movies, video games, everything, but especially books. Surround your kids with beautiful books. I look back and, hint, this book that we made is a beautiful one that will inspire yes. kids' imagination. I'm not just saying that. I genuinely, I look yeah. at this and say, this would have been one of my favorite books as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let them lean into that and see how other people build worlds and live in those worlds through through the totally. books they're reading, through the stories that you're telling them. Absolutely. So I, I think what I was going to say with like why I think imagination is important. Um, I A few weeks ago, I shared on Instagram and I said, what were the things you pretended as a kid? Mm. And one of the things that struck me was how many people like pretended themselves to be in some state of peril. So like, <laughs> either it was like, I, you know, one of the most, I think this is because we all read books from like the Victorian era. Everyone was like, I was in an orphanage or a boarding school. <laughs> Oliver. Yeah, I know. Or, um, or people would say, um, I was, you know, defeating dragons. Yes. There's always this element locked of kind of like. Locked in a castle. Locked in a castle. Um, I would always be like, I, I loved being the captain of a ship. That was one of my favorite things for a while. Um, I was I was a pirate. Little which, type A over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a pirate. So that's like type A with a little bit of chaos. Um, but I, yeah, I, I thought that was the coolest thing. And um, I think, I was thinking about it. I was like, why do we imagine ourselves in peril? Why do we do that? And I think that part of it's because children know from a very young age that the world is a scary place, you know? Mm. Nobody has to tell kids to imagine monsters under their beds. Oh, nobody, Nobody has to tell kids that there are, are scary and difficult things, that there's bad and good, right and mm. wrong. That just comes with development. And there's this great quote from Chesterton where he says, Fairy tales do not tell children that dragons exist. Children already know that dragons exist. Fairy tales tell children that dragons can be killed. Wow, that's beautiful. And I think that pretend and imagination and stories, part of the reason we need them, and it kind of goes back to that idea of hope, is that it gives children an image that I can be brave. I can be mm. the hero. I can be the person that helps and sacrifices. I can be, you know, on all social media, I my handle may change it someday, but it's join us the brave, which mm. in part was a playoff of Lucy the, I think it's Lucy the Valiant yes, in is. Narnia. And, um, because I read that as a little girl and I thought, I can be Join Us the Brave. Yes. 
And I think that's so important is giving children good stories and imaginations, like our book, mm-hmm. um, that help them think, I can be Nathan the Good, yes. join us the Brave, Lucy the Valiant. And I think that's so important. Now, okay, other practical things. Let's turn to practical Wait, things. I want to say one thing real quick. Okay. If your kid, if you can imagine killing a dragon in the fantasy world of your own creation, your imagination, that will enable you to face the dragons with more bravery and more belief you'll be able to conquer them in your real life. Exactly. So it's I like you will you have yes. prepared for it. Okay, practical. Sorry. Okay, practical stuff. Okay, so I think we've already hit on one, which is that if you want children to have a well-developed imagination, then you need to um, you need to give them lots of fodder for their imagination. Resource, yeah. Yeah, so just scatter your home with books. Um, so places to get books. Um, right, actually, it's funny. I was thinking about this recently. This is like, in some ways, I would imagine the most overwhelming time to be a parent because there's so much mm. information. But also, you have so many resources. So find yes. good lists of books. Find There's blogs. There's people you trust. Our sister Sarah does a lot of yep. children's books lists. Um, she's written books on it, Read for the Heart. Um, so pepper your house with books. Uh, also, go to used bookshops. Libraries are such a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, have tons of books in your house. Uh, but I would also say we have the, the dress-up chest. Yes. Uh, so give your kids things to um, imagine with. Mm. And that doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be crazy. You can do do-it-yourself things. And also one of the great things about imagination, and this is the whole point of our book, is that you don't need a lot. You need wooden no. nails. Do, do you know what? Um, yeah, imagination will fill in the gaps. It's little things. But do you know what I remember that I used to do, which is funny, I... Get the costumes. These are amazing. Get the get all the um, the props and the swords. But one thing that always helped me as a kid was the music. Yeah. Get your kids soundtracks to great movies yes. and let them live inside of it. You know, our brother Joel actually has done amazing, beautiful uh, dramatic uh-huh. soundtracks. So go look up some beautiful music your kids can sit and imagine too. I remember I used to read Redwall yes. to music because it helped me envision. Uh, it, it helped it come to life. But chests of things, music, um, and like you said. Wooden nails. Give them a backyard and yeah. a, a playhouse. Give it doesn't have Take to, to be much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. No. That's the great thing about imagination is you don't you don't need a lot. You're, yes. You really you literally your brain will do the do the bits, but give them something to go on. And then I would also say imagine with them. Be curious. Yeah. Ask about the worlds that they're making. Um, I always loved that. I think something I appreciated about mom and dad, and it's been fun to watch them as grandparents doing this too. I never felt like mom or dad kind of condescended to us. Um, they acted like we were interesting people uh, with things to say that they wanted to know about. Yeah. And um, and I think do that with your kids. Play with them. Imagine. Ask them about their imaginary worlds. Encourage them. And enter into their imaginary, imaginary worlds with them. Yeah. And, and having in mind... This is important. This is fundamental. This is a part of being in the image of God. Yeah, this is actually an, a worthwhile hack. This is a worthy thing that you are doing, taking, using your time to imagine and create this world. I'm going to step in it with you. Yeah, exactly. And co-create. And I will say, um, I was going to add uh, one thing, but it'd take us on a, on a whole different thing. But uh, enter their world, give them the tools, mm-hmm. the artist tools to create with, and surround them with um, good stories. Good stories, and I was gonna say also uh, travel. But even in small way, what mom used to do is take us on adventure days, mm-hmm. days that were dedicated to ima- uh, to imagining, imagination, and explore uh, exploring. And even if you can't travel around the world, 
um, new locations go to seem a to hike. be yeah. yeah. Also, I think mom did that partially for her own sanity. Oh yeah. Like she would go. But we got I a lot out of the it. house. Yeah, but she but she narrated it to us yeah. because it was her own story. Like yeah. it was an adventure, and that was so. So important. Also, there's really practical stuff like writing with your kids. Hey, let's come up with a story together. Yeah. What kind of character would you like to play? Oh. What are they wearing? What kind of world do they live in? Exactly. And you know, that was that was something funny. That was what got me thinking about um, the appetite for stories was uh, there was a point where Lillian, when I was staying with her last summer, like, I, I don't remember, I offered once to tell her a story. And then she wanted stories all the time, and now she wants to tell stories. Is she in the interesting? So tell stories to your kids and then have them try telling stories. Yeah. And maybe on Cherry on Top is... Let them see that God is the ultimate storyteller and imagine, imagineer, um, and that when they do it, they're acting in the image of God. That this is a good thing that their creator has done and encouraged them to do. Absolutely. And um, you definitely should go get our book. Yeah, to say. And the, the best thing you can possibly <laughs> do is go to theclubhousebook.com and pre order or order, depending on when this comes out, your copy now. By the way, I will say uh, this is really fun. If you want a fun activity to do with your kids, if you go to theclubhousebook.com, uh, our publisher has generously offered a few of the pages in the book as coloring uh, pages for your kids. And there's so many fun things to color. Again, it's like Where's Waldo mixed with uh, the greatest fantasy. Yes. It's beautiful drawings, and your kids will spend hours coloring these in and find all the hidden things. There are some free coloring pages right now on theclubhousebook.com. Yes, I think that's yes, I think that is in fact what the the address is. Yes, it's really fun, and I will put this out before it's out. So the book is coming out in the end of August, um, but you can pre-order and then go type in your receipt or whatever and get those downloads. I'm also going to do an Instagram story at some point when I I'm going to do a coloring session myself. Are you really? Yes, because coloring pages are not only for kids; they're also for grown-ups. Absolutely, they are. Um, so yeah, absolutely go do that, and you know, it is. It I feel like. I'm in a fairy tale that we got to do this book and that it turned out so beautifully. Yeah. So I can't wait to see everybody's kids enjoy it. And um, it was just so much fun to be able to be in on this project. So Nathan, where can people find the many ways that you're telling stories? Um, you can find me anywhere on social media. Just type in my name, Nathan Clarkson. I love hearing from people who have watched my movies or read my books. Um, please reach out. I love um, all of you lovely people and connecting with you. You can also go to my website, nathanclarkson.me, and find out more specifics. And you can hear me weekly on the Overthinkers podcast. That's right. You also have a podcast. It's very fun. Tell people a little about that before you go. Yeah, we talk about faith, philosophy, art, all the big questions of life. We dive into everything from culture all the way to crazy philosophical questions, all the way to just uh, talking about movies. But we have a lot of fun, and there's a lot of people over there uh, who love these big questions. And we have Joy semi-regularly on the podcast, and we will be doing one with her soon about this. So if you didn't get enough today about imagination, we will be doing an episode about imagination on the Overthinkers podcast with Joy, but we'd love to have you in so much fun. Absolutely. Well, Nathan, thank you so much for joining me and thank you everyone for listening. Um, go get The Clubhouse by Clarkson and Clarkson, as it says on the back of the... I think that's to indicate we're not married. Yes. <laughs> Siblings. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So go, go get The Clubhouse by Clarkson and Clarkson. Um, on Amazon, the big evil bookstore, or one of your local bookstores. Yeah, order into one of your local bookstores, absolutely. Yeah, or, and also you can ask your library to get it. Oh, yes, please so do that. Do that'd, that. Be, that'd, that'd be, be really cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed the book, and we hope you enjoyed this podcast, and tune back in soon. Go imagine.
Thank you for listening to Speaking with Joy. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would highly suggest that you subscribe, leave a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to tell a friend about it. I should also mention that I have a book coming out in February called Aggressively Happy, The Realist Guide to Believing in the Goodness of Life. And if you order it in the next month at my publisher's website, Bethany House Publishers, you can get it for 30% off. So you might want to consider getting a pre-Christmas present for yourself or one of your friends. I hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Speaking with Joy.